Hello. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition, with your host, Ariane Smith. And Tiffany Hales. And tonight we have a special guest. It's Yay. the third sister. It's our long-lost apostate sister. I didn't give her that name. She calls herself that. Would you like to introduce yourself, Sjarn? Hello, this is Sjarn Birch joining once again. A pleasure. We are so excited to have Sjarn with us. She came on the podcast with us. We did the math. It was four years ago. Yes, I believe five it was five years Chris- ago. Oh, five, five years yes, ago. Right, five years ago. 2017. Yeah, 2017. It's episode three. 87. I looked it up. Okay. She was in town because she she lives out of state. She lives in Southern California now. She was in town five years ago and we wanted to have her on to do a podcast about, and it was like our most serious podcast it, we've ever done. It was our it most was serious podcast. Just about like, I just had a discussion with her about like loving and including your family members who have left the church because she has, which is why we jokingly refer to her as our apostate sister. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it is my most favorite podcast episode we've yes. ever done. It was so fun to have a conversation with the three of us. She was such a good sport to come on and do it. And so she was coming into town for Christmas, which is this week. We're recording this right before Christmas. And we were like, we got to do it again. Exactly. <laughs> We got to have her on. Well, and we we have have gotten and still continue to get a lot of feedback about that episode that we did with CRN and how we as sisters all navigated that experience together and the positives and the negatives of what to do if you've got a family member who is making a faith transition. Yeah, and CRN so. was like such a perfect one to have on to discuss that because. Between she's got like so many family members and she's had a lot of experiences, positive and negative, between the multitude of family members, between her and (laughs) other family members on the other side of her family. So she just had all kinds of helpful advice. It's been, you know, (laughs) it's been fun. It was it was a good time recording. I'm glad to be back. Anyway, she is the best sport. We yeah. were like, uh, will you come back and just like record a normal episode with us? Because that just would be really fun. It would be really fun. She's a little cold because it is freezing in Idaho right now. <laughs> and she left the warmth and Southern California. <laughs> sunniness of 75 degrees in Southern California. It wasn't quite 75, but I mean, when we left yesterday, it was like 67. So. Oh, oh, little, little tiny violin right here. <laughs> She's not, she's not loving our weather. I don't love it. I don't love it. She came to freezing cold in a snowstorm. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I told Ziaran, it's enough time has passed that perhaps, I think last time she came on, she shared the story of the chicken getting the head cut off a girl's camp, yes. which she experienced as a youth. Very traumatizing. Very traumatizing. <laughs> and now... I think enough time has passed that we're ready to share another traumatizing experience that we shared together. Now, these two shared it together. I was not part of this traumatizing experience. Let's just be really clear on this. I don't know. There's just something about when you're here. We just like to share kind of our traumatizing church experience. Everybody has, everybody, I wouldn't call it traumatizing. Everybody has unique church experiences. And I feel like everybody has the occasional wild one where you're just like, wow, so we, before we recorded, I was like, Sjarn, I think it's time. I think we need to share the sister missionary story. So should we share the sister we missionary story? this. And I had kind of forgotten. I'm fuzzy on the details, but I do remember it was wild. But don't worry. Ariane's very clear on the details. Oh, I remember. Ariane will fill in the details. So she'll start telling the story and then you'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. So this was six years ago when we very first moved to Idaho from Oregon. And you were still living in Idaho at that I was time. Still living in Boise. Had Sierra not moved. was still living here. So I was so happy to move closer to both of my sisters. And then one of them leaves. Yes. So rude. <laughs> Anyways, but that summer that I first moved here, before um, Sierra moved, we were new in the ward. So we had sister missionaries in our ward. And they said, Hey, can we come over and share a message and get to know your family? As missionaries do when there's someone new in the ward. So I was like, sure. So whatever day they were coming, they had scheduled it with me. It happened that we also invited Ciaran over for dinner that night. And then I remembered that the sister missionaries were coming. So of course, in full disclosure, I was like, oh, shoot, I forgot 
the sister missionaries are coming to share a message. This is not an ambush. I did have to clarify that because she had been out of the church for many years at that point. And I didn't want her to think I was like ambushing her. I was like, you do not have to be in the room. I think it'll be quick. You can go upstairs if you want. And Ciaran, who's like a really good sport, was like, no, it's fine. She's always really cool about church stuff like that. So the sister missionaries came and Ciaran was in there. Your husband wasn't with us that day. I don't think he was. No, I don't know where he you, was. You were was just there. Me. So they they came in. We sat around in the living room and they were trying to do like, I totally get what they were trying to do. They were trying to do an object lesson for my kids. So they start this message and the general message is about prayer. And so when they first started giving this message, I, in my head, remember thinking this is a perfect message for CRN to be here for because it's very generic. It's not like we're not going to get into any weird church history stuff that is going to make CRN really uncomfortable. Prayer is a very safe topic for your ex-Mormon sister (laughs) to be in the room for. So, so I remember just feeling so good. And then they, they got to the object lesson portion of the lesson. And here's where we go off the rails. And then we turned, we turned it, it turned very quickly. So they gave us all a string. Do you remember this? I, I remember this and, string. And my children. And I know they were coming from a good place, for coming from a good place because I had small children and they were trying to engage my small children. They gave us all a string. They told us to hold one end in one hand and the other end in the other. And then they wanted us to attempt to tie a knot in the string without letting go of either end, which is like physically impossible. Um, And then they said, okay, now if you didn't know what to do in this situation, you could say a prayer and sister so-and-so is going to say a prayer so that we can figure out how to tie this string without letting go. And so the other sister missionary full-blown folded her arms bowed her head and started praying that we could figure out how to tie a knot in this string. And I was like, wait, she really is saying a prayer? <laughs> like she's for real saying a prayer. Like, dear Heavenly Father, please bless us that we can tie a knot in this like full-blown praying over the string. And then the other missionary was coming and whispering in our ears as if she were the Holy Ghost telling us the trick. And now I can't remember what the trick was, but there was some kind of trick, but I don't know because I was so distracted. I was like, wait a minute, we are having a prayer for the string. (laughs) And this prayer went like for minutes, like as long as it took her to go around to every person in the room. It was quite strange. (laughs) And I opened my eyes. My husband is just like, his eyes are shut tight, like no eye contact. So I'm looking at, I open my eyes and I look at you and we were just looking at each other like, what is happening? Like we're giving each other the look like, Anyway, that was it. (laughs) It was super, super awkward. Well, that wasn't it because then afterwards I was like, oh my gosh, of all of the lessons for CRN to be there for, like she already thinks like there's some kooky stuff happening. Yeah. Well, you know, I remember back in the day when I lived with you in Santa Barbara and that Santa Barbara ward, I feel like we had some wild experiences there Oh, yeah. There too. That was a wild yeah. ward. That was a wild ward. Testimony meeting in that Testimony ward was Testimony meeting was really fun. I mean, open mic night. Yeah, it was. <laughs> anyway, it was just well, this whole thing. Didn't you have to kind of do some damage control with yes. your kids afterwards? Yes. Afterwards, I had to tell my kids like, hey, you know, I know they were just doing an example, but we don't really say pretend prayers. We just say yeah. real prayers. <laughs> And so then, and then, and if I felt like I had to go say something to the sister missionaries because I'm like, how many other people are they doing this with? Like, what if they're teaching a family who's, I just, I, I was very uncomfortable with the idea of them doing this for other families. So I pulled them aside at church the next Sunday. And if you know me, you know, I am not confrontational at all. Like this is my worst nightmare having I, to like, I am the confrontational sister. <laughs> that, right would here. that would be her. So this is my worst nightmare, but I'm like, I have to do this. I have to save the other people from awkward <laughs> prayers. And so I pulled them aside after like during Sunday school hour. And I was like, Hey, And I tried to be really gentle about it. I was like, I know what you were doing was just like for my kids, but I felt like it was a little inappropriate. And we try to teach our kids that prayer is like real and hold like to hold a lot of reverence for it and not play around or like pretend. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how did they take that? Oh my gosh, it was awful. They came into Release Society like 20 minutes later and one of them had clearly been crying. (gasps) And I was awful. Yes. I was like. (laughs) I tried. I was. I think I was very nice about it, but she did. Oh, not, I know you were very nice about it. Now, if I had talked to her, they well. would really be crying. She did not take it well. I felt awful. Anyway, 
So, yeah, you and I together collectively have had some wild church you, moments. You have a weird church energy between the two of you. We cannot be together in a church setting. Strange things happen. So, anyway. Okay. Well, it is Christmas time, and we are actually recording a couple days before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I'm, I am telling you, I, the month of December has just been crazy for me. I don't know how it's been for you, Ariane, but it has just been nonstop. I just feel like I can't catch a break. So I'm kind of glad that we're getting to Christmas. We had so much fun tonight. We did a family get together. We actually have a brother as well. And our brother's in town. He heard Ciaran was here. So he came to Idaho as well. And we decided this was the first time we've been together in how many years? Like six years. Six years yeah, since six, all four yeah. of us have been together. Mm-hmm. So we we did the traditional family thing tonight of, hey, let's look at old Christmas movies. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It we was were, great. the four of us were rolling on the floor. Our Our kids... We're a little less than abused. My teenage son, Mark, was just like, oh my gosh, would you just cut my wrist and let me bleed? That would be less painful than having to watch home videos from the 80s. Oh, yeah. It was a good time. It was a good time. I think Gary Ann's kids enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. Uh, they loved the tap dancing, except for my four-year-old. He was whining like Mark. And I think they really enjoyed our performance, the Santa Claus performance that we did. I enjoyed that, too. Yes. Oh, good old home videos. So, yes, you got to love those. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, should we do some news stories? Sure, we'll since do some we're news here? stories. We have, it's not a ton of news because it's, it's so close to the holiday. It's not. So but a lot of like really fun. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do tonight. We're, we're going to start out with like three kind of newsy type typical stories that we do. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we're going to get into, now, you know, we always have our segment, Mormons Behaving Badly. And a few months ago, we started Marvelous Members to counterbalance Mormons Behaving Badly. And we have a whole bunch of Marvelous Member stories yes. tonight that are just going to make you feel good and just hopefully be inspiring. And then I do have a little update when we get to Mormons Behaving Badly. But we're, we're, There's always one. There's always this, one. This is a Christmas episode. <laughs> we're going to try and make this, this, this uplifting and very G-rated if you are listening to this, driving to and from in the car with your kids. All right. So so our first, I'll I'll hit our first story. Start us off. This is breaking news. It is breaking news. This is the kind of news you get the week before Christmas. (laughs) The church announced on Sunday that second hour meetings are going to start opening with a prayer again. I know. When did they stop? Hot off the presses, people. (laughs) So in 2018, when they went to the two hour, when they went from, to the two from hour, three hour to two okay. hour. Because well, when I read the story, I was like, wait, you're like, wait, you're not they, paying. You're like, you're not paying in church anymore. What is that? As far as I knew, last time I went, there was prayers every single time you went to a new room. She has not been since three hour block. Yeah. <laughs> so I have not been since 2008. She did not get to enjoy the joy that is two hours of church. Exactly. Maybe, maybe she would have stayed. <laughs> Oh. Call you when it's one hour. <laughs> Call you when it's one hour. <laughs> so, so the way it currently goes is we do opening prayer in sacrament. Oh. We do closing prayer in sacrament. And then we head to either Relief Society or Sunday School, depending on what week it is. And you don't have a prayer. And you don't have a prayer. And I actually am really happy about this announcement because I still, even though it's been how many years since 2018, what are we, we're four years now. Four years. It still feels awkward to me. See, it does not feel awkward You're to used me. to it. I'm used to it. And here's the other uh-huh. thing too. Because I'm in a Relief Society presidency, now I got to go find another prayer. That's Usually true. Usually I only have to find one prayer. Now I'm like, oh, I got to ask somebody to pray. That's true. That does stink. Well, and in primary, we do still do the opening prayer because oh. we do sharing time and they have a prayer and a scripture. Like That's you're, true. You're not going to not have a primary kid okay. say a prayer, right? And so they, wait, were there so still closing prayers? There's there were still, still closing, closing prayers, prayers. Not opening Just prayers. not opening prayers. But now there will be opening they, prayers again. They did away with Relief Society music, so you didn't have an opening song in Relief Society anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So you would just go in there, you'd have a few brief announcements, and then boom, you're on to your lesson. Okay. Well, that does seem like that would feel weird. It felt weird. Like my whole life of, you have an opening prayer. (laughs) An opening song and an opening prayer. (laughs) So anyway, we're going back to a prayer. I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm good with this. Wait, okay. So speaking of prayers, I have to ask you something, Tiffany. Okay. Is your ward having youth pray in sacrament meeting? 
No, I, I can't. I can't think of any time I've I've seen. It's always an adult. This is a new thing they just started doing in our ward, like within the last two or three months. Really? And I don't know if it's a steak thing or if it's just our ward. I'm guessing it's coming down from our steak. Well, you know, your steak is extra. <laughs> they are extra. They're having now the youth say opening and or closing prayers in sacrament meeting. Well, I will tell you what our youth do do in sacrament mm-hmm. meeting. You tell me if your youth do this. We do not have a like designated sacrament meeting chorister. There's like, I think four youth, three or four mm-hmm. youth that are called and they rotate probably like maybe on a once a month basis. Mm-hmm. And they are up there uh, conducting the music, act, functioning as the chorister. That's how we use our youth in sacrament. Hey, oh, that's nice. We don't do that in the ward I'm in now, but in Oregon, we did that. And they also played the organ and it was great. Oh. Like, such a good experience yeah. for the youth, but they don't do that in our ward here. Huh. I don't know why. Well, very interesting. All right. So so clearly there must not be a prohibition in the handbook about youth praying in sacrament meeting. I guess not. Okay. Well, that's food food for thought. Once they let women in, they decided to let you think too. No free standards. <laughs> standards are out the door. All right. What's next? Okay. Oh, Ciaran gets uh-huh. to do the next uh, one. I'm very excited. I was surprised they let me take this one, but I'm excited about it. She's our guest. We let her have it. It's the crumble cookie update. (laughs) Yay. Uh, 11 crumble cookie stores found violating child labor laws. Oh. 11 locations. So many scandals this year. Between the lawsuit and this. I know. Okay, go ahead. 11 crumble cookie locations, including four in Utah, are in violation of child labor laws. The states where they are in violation, California, Minnesota, New Hampshire, Tennessee, Utah, and Washington. <gasps> Your state. I know. I'm going to have to look up and see specifically <gasps> where because if it's my crumble cookie store, that's going to be a problem. I can't she, support She child. won't go. She has principles. I can't support child. She really does violation. have principles. Okay. Like, so where, I didn't realize you had a crumble cookie store that close to your house. We got a crumble in my town, in the town of Upland. Oh, dang. I'm doxing myself. I live in Upland, California. <laughs> How are you going to find out if your store is in violation? Oh, I think you can look it up I'm online. sure you can look it up. You're going to have to find. I'm going to have yeah. to look it up online. I will say I saw crumble cookie billboards all the way up the I-15 driving through Utah, and all I could think about was the story. So, <laughs> did you see any of those dirty dough billboards? I did not. Making so, fun of the crumble cookie. I bet. Cookie. I, bet I, I bet I didn't notice it. You probably thought. Uh, okay, I will say after I you guys did your story about the lawsuit, I went and I looked at their websites. Copyright infringement. I, I think what? Crumble, I think Crumble has a valid point. No, I don't agree with child labor law violations, but I do think that Dirty Dough and Crave are both creeping in on that IP. Okay, I I work. You went further down the rabbit hole. Uh, I, Tell me what I, you do. And, and I work like, at a law firm, and we we special we do a lot of patent stuff in my law firm. So so I guess she has a little I, more expertise. I mean, than I us. wouldn't say that, but I am very invested in IP. So uh, yeah, I, I think there was uh, I think there's some validity. Interesting. Okay. Anyway, uh, Crumble officials said they are actively working to understand what occurred at these specific store locations, and will take appropriate action to ensure that all of our franchises are fully compliant with the law. So this was them working kids too many hours? That is, it, 14, it sounds like the case. 14 and 50-year-old workers cannot work more than eight hours per day or 40 hours per work week. So uh, it sounds like. Well, and I think they also were operating some equipment they weren't supposed to operate. Mm. <gasps> A big oh. mixer, the giant mixer. Yeah, yeah you got to so, watch that. Ariane and I both have 15-year-olds right now that have jobs, mm. and there are a lot of restrictions but on But the laws 15. are very confusing. They are. Because some places will let 15-year-olds work and some won't. And yes. I can never figure out if it's the law or if just certain companies are like, we're not messing with that. I Well, 15-year-olds can work uh-huh. in certain places. And I think it's much more commonplace now because they need workers so badly. So my 15-year-old daughter works at the Chick-fil-A, but she is limited on the the, the hours that she can work. Right. Like when she's in school, she can't work past seven o'clock at night. Unless it is between June 1st and Labor Day. And between June 1st and Labor Day, she can work up until nine o'clock at night. And and, um, there's like machinery and things like that that she can't use. But once she turns 16, then a whole new set of rules apply to her. This is just for like 15-year-olds that are eligible to work. But I do think a lot of companies... 
I think it was much more commonplace that a lot of companies said, yeah, we don't want to mess with 15 year olds. Mm -hmm. But I think with the labor shortage, especially in those entry level jobs that we're having these days, they've taken on more more workers that are 15 because they're like, well, we can get them in here and they'll work and we need bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, very interesting. Gotta watch those hours crumble. And I will be researching the California locations that violated. Well, we need to know. We hope you still get your cookies. We hope it's not yours. I hope it's not mine either. I won't blame a few franchises for the entire system, but hopefully it's not my franchise. Well, I'm just really curious if Dirty Dough is going to take this opportunity, as they have done on many other occasions with this lawsuit, and do some videos, some satirical videos. You could make some pretty funny billboards. We respect children. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what those you could, are. There's some potential there. There's some potential. All righty. Our next story, uh, this is from both the Church News and the Deseret News carried this story. Um, President Nelson issued a Christmas message, and he issued this um, last weekend on Sunday, December 18th. And this is very typical. He does this every year. He uh, did a little video message. And if you are on social media at all in the last five to six days, it was all over social media. And it's just a really sweet kind of nice message about Christmas. He says, the world needs the light of Jesus Christ and the world needs your, your light. And he also says, I marvel at the increased will and human kindness that always emerge during this sacred season. As we commemorate the birth of him who is the light of the world, new light is kindled in each of us today. Today we need his light, the light of Jesus Christ, more than ever. And um, he says he talks about being peacemakers, willing to reason with others rather than contend with them. And then um, he just expresses his gratitude and wishes everybody a very Merry Christmas. Very nice. It was a sweet message. Very, very nice. on brand for President Nelson and very heartfelt too, if you watch the video. Very good. Yes. Okay. Next story is about the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square. Tab Cats. Tab Cats. Yes. They so had a big concert last week. They weekend. went back to their concert. And this is the first kind of like return to normal post-COVID. They, of course, they canceled COVID year. Last year, they taped a concert but did not have a live audience. No. This year, they let the people back in, and I could not tell from the article. They didn't say if they filled it up or if they had, like, limited seating. I thought I read somewhere Mm. that they had limited seating. Okay. So the conference center, (coughs) excuse me, seats about Mm 21,000, and usually they fill that up with four performances. I don't think they did that this year. Just one performance? Well, no, they had the – I think they had – <clears throat> several performances. I just don't think they issued 21,000 mm. tickets. All right. I saw something in one of those articles because of construction. They didn't want to fill it. Yeah. That's oh, why it was. That's exactly right. A mess. Yes. Yeah. Because of all of the construction just, that they're doing on true. Temple Square. That's, that's why they did it. So it wasn't COVID related or cold and flu season conference related. wasn't filled up either. Was it? I feel like I conference was. was only partially yeah. full this I year. Too. I feel like I remember hearing yeah. that probably from you guys. Cause that's how I get my, <laughs> oh, that's a lot of pressure. That is a lot of pressure. <laughs> so anyway, this year's concert was December 15th. Oh, 16th and 17th. So it was yeah. a few nights. So um, the guests this year, as you know, every year they have a new, they have a musical guest and then they also have a, a MC, what do you call it? Narrator guest. Narrator, yes. So the musical guest this year was Leah Salonga. And she is a actress and um, obviously singer, Tony Award winning sing- winning singer for her role in Miss Saigon. Um, but also, she is a Disney princess. She was the voice of Mulan, and she was the voice of Jasmine in Aladdin Ooh. back in back in the days. Okay, so, so um, she is a legit Disney. Yes, princess. so two she two time Disney princess. Yes. We have to take her seriously if she's a two time <laughs> Disney princess. That's right. So she was the guest singer, and then Sir David Suchet. Am I saying that right? I thought maybe Suchet. Suchet, but I don't know if it's French. I don't know. He's, he's an actor from it England. Sounds like he's British, so yeah. yes, he's British. He's from England. Um, he was the narrator. Anyway, they both talked about what a great experience it was, and they both mentioned how intimidating the conference center was. Oh, um, particularly him. He said he's used to smaller venues. 
And that was very intimidating. <laughs> um, but then he also said this, I thought this quote was funny. He was talking about Mac Wilburn, um, the British actor uh-huh. was talking about Mac Wilburn. And he said, he's not always the nicest person. <laughs> And then he kind of said, like, not that he's mean, but he's a taskmaster. Uh, he is a taskmaster to get an excellent performance out of 300 or so people. And he, But he said it was fun and it was a pleasure doing rehearsals and um, it was a great experience. So Very interesting. So anyways, that will air next year. So yes. they always do this a year Backwards. So the what they're airing right now on BYU TV is last year's concert, yes. and that one features. Oh, what's her name? She was in. Um, she was in that show. Oh, what is her name? Hilty, Megan Hilty. Oh, she was, was in um, the show about the Broadway yes, people. The Broadway Sm- show, Smash. Smash. It was Smash. Smash. Yes, I. That was. Is. It was a show. Oh, it was a good show. Okay, it was on so NBC. Catherine McVie was in it. And Megan Hilty was in it. And they were kind of vying for the same role. It was it's like back in like 2008-ish. Eight, we, aught, well, 2010. Yeah, 2010, the aughts. <laughs> so what it was is there, oh, and they had Deborah Messing was in it too. So yeah. Deborah Messing was a producer. Yeah. So they were trying to get this Broadway show about the life of Marilyn Monroe off the ground. And so it kind of gave you, I mean, it was a it was a fictional show. It mm. wasn't it wasn't a reality show. But it kind of gave you some insight into what it takes to bring a Broadway show mm. actually to the stage. And so Catherine McVie was playing Marilyn when she was a brunette. And Megan Hilty was playing Marilyn when she was a blonde. Ew. Now, I have to tell you who I think Megan Hilty looks like. We're, we're going to diverge oh, here yes. for a minute. Who? So every time I see these two, I think she looks like Whitney Carson on So You Think You Can Dance. Oh. And Whitney Carson is a member of the church. I could see that. And every time I see the two of them, I'm like, oh, you girls are sisters and you don't even know it. I could see that. They yes. have a very similar look to them. Yes, I could see I that. I don't know who that is either. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you are culturally I, illiterate, my friend. I don't, I don't watch. Oh, I don't watch reality TV. Dancing with the Stars, right? Yeah, Dancing with the Stars. Oh, I thought you said so. You think you could dance? Is she on? Both oh, of those? you know what? She was on So You Think oh. You Can Dance, and she she won or she placed really high on So You Think You oh. Can Dance because she was on that at the same time Lindsay Arnold was, and then they both got contracts. To with Dancing with the Stars. Go on Dancing oh, with the Stars. Okay, got it, got it. Anyway, so Megan Hilty is on the concert that they are currently showing right now. On PBS. On PBS and probably BYU TV. But this year's will be showing a year from now. Yes. So although I think if you want a taste of this year's, and they mm-hmm. talked about some of the songs that they sang in there. I think if you want a taste of this year's, music and the spoken word oh, right. historically. It is is technically their fourth concert. And so they do their 30-minute music in the spoken word, which airs. And then they do a couple of extra songs for the people who are in the conference center then. And I am guessing, I mean, I haven't looked, but I'm guessing music in the spoken word maybe has a YouTube channel. I don't know if you music in the spoken word has a YouTube channel. Maybe you could go on there and get a little preview of what this year's concert was. Yeah. I you know what? You Let me just... Let me just look that up right now. Oh, she's going to look just for see us. If music in the spoken word. It because like it should. Honestly, this is something that I was wondering myself because I wanted to see. That would make it easier to find. Yeah. Because if you've ever tried to find music in the spoken word on BYU TV app, it's very obnoxious. It's very hard to find. It's hidden. It's hidden deep in the deep places. Oh app. really? See, I, I guess I've never. I guess I've never tried to find. Oh look, they, they do have it a YouTube. Looks like channel. they have a YouTube channel. So I bet it's on their YouTube channel. Yeah, that was just a Google search. So yeah, they definitely have a YouTube channel. So I'm guessing you can, if you want to watch, uh, kind of a mini preview of the concert that was recorded this year, but will be broadcast next year. YouTube channel. There Using you go. Word. All right. You have some football news. I do. I don't know why I always get stuck with the football stories. Because <laughs> none know. of us wanted to try and pronounce those names. That's, well, you know, we are oh, just yeah. slaughtering all the names <laughs> we, tonight. We're not great at names in general. So, Tad Walsh, <laughs> reporter for the Deseret News, did a story. And the headline of this story is, Why Three Latter-day Saint Football Figures Were in the News This Week. And this story came out December 15th. So, about a week ago. 
Um, so there were three uh, football players or football so people associated with football that are members of the church that were in the news this week. The first one is a coach by the name of, oh, and I'm really going to slaughter this, Ken Nimitololo. Um, he was the coach for Navy, uh, you know, Army, Navy mm-hmm. for, for Navy's football team. And apparently he got fired. That's which a is bummer. Kind of a bummer and kind of an owie. He was featured in the movie, The Meet the Mormons. And um, apparently he is just a really nice guy. Tad Walsh says that um, he, he met him this year at the Washington DC temple open house and then, and said, Hey, you know, he was really nice. And then there was another writer for um, a wa- in a Washington post column that wrote that he's an excellent, excellent football coach, but much better person. So, I probably should have researched exactly the details why he's no longer employed by Navy. I'm guessing Navy probably didn't have the best season. I don't know. Football coach is a rough job. I think they get fired a lot. They they do. (laughs) They get fired a lot. And it's usually if you're losing. Usually if you're a football coach and you're winning, they don't fire you. But if you've had a rough season or two, they're like, yeah, we're going to move on. We're going to try something else. So that was our first football person that was in the news. Mm -hmm. Our second football person in the news is a gentleman by the name of Mike Leach, and he was the football coach for Mississippi State, and he had a heart attack on Sunday and died Monday. And he was so young. He was 61. He was only 61. He was only 61. And so he apparently got his start um, with Lavelle Edwards. Um, he was recruited to play at BYU. He got hurt and he never played, but he kind of took what he learned from Lavelle Edwards and created the next iteration of the passing game. And, and he gave it a cool name. It was called Air Raid. And what's kind of interesting about him, and there was a separate article about him where they interviewed a former um, home teacher slash ministering brother. He was not a ministering brother at the time he ministered. It was still under the umbrella of home teaching, Mm -hmm. but a gentleman by the name of Thad Balkman. And he apparently has very fond memories of Coach Leach. Um, Coach Leach, his apparently his wife and his children were very active, went to church every week. He was not as active, but he is said to have read his scriptures every single day, both the Mm -hmm. Book of Mormon as well as the Bible. And so um, this uh, this Thad Backman, Balkman, said that, you know, it was very interesting to home teach him because it was not your typical home teaching relationship. He didn't go over there on a Sunday because the coach had really uh, different because of his job and his hours. um, They said the coach said to him, hey, if you want to home teach me, you need to come to O'Connell's, which is a popular sport, sports bar and grill mm-hmm. near the uh, near the campus where he was coaching. So he'd show up to O'Connell's and they'd have, you know, he'd, he'd minister time. That sounds like a sweet gig. It I know. Like I a sweet gig. Also, I noticed in that article, the guy that was the home teacher said he was the elders corn president at the time. He was the elders corn president. And that he loved football. So when they moved in the ward, he's like, I'll take this one. Yeah. <laughs> right. He cherry picked. <laughs> Which I have to tell you, if you are in a Relief Society presidency, I can't speak for Elder Scorm because I'm not in Elder Scorm. Yeah, you get to cherry pick who you minister to. <laughs> I'm not going to lie about it. It's really true. The perks. <laughs> anyway, so he said, um, you know, they had a lot in common. Apparently, uh, Coach Leach had actually gone to law school because this Thad Balkman had gone to law school and he's actually now a judge. So they talk about that. They talk about football. Um, this coach Leach was kind of a Renaissance man. And, um, Miss, uh, brother Bachman says that, um, you know, he just, um, he was such an unconventional thinker in the way that he approached the offense in terms of football, uh, but also how he approached life. And brother Bachman also said, you know, a lot of times when a ministering assignment is done, you really don't have contact with that person anymore. Well, Coach Leach had actually moved on because this was when he was at Oklahoma and he'd moved on to another another university to coach. As coaches often do, mm-hmm. we were just discussing, they still remained friends and in contact after that. That's mm-hmm. how solid their friendship was. So that's football figure number two. Now we're going to get to football figure number three that was in the news. Stanford University. Remember, we talked about them last time. Oh, we did. And we talked about how their quarterback was LDS. Their quarterback. Because there were some jeers. There, they, the, <laughs> the jeers band, from the crowd. Okay. The band did a halftime show that was uh, a oh, right. line. It was the band. It, it was banned. Mm-hmm. It was very inappropriate. 
I do want to say, because last time we podcast, I kind of got up on a soapbox about this because I, I was really, I was infuriated that they can get away with that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and not face any repercussions, you know, versus something happens at BYU and all of a sudden the national media descends on Provo. So I was saying, you know, Stanford hadn't even bothered to apologize. I would like to think it was our podcast that resulted in Stanford (laughs) apologizing. Oh, they must have been listening. Because the next day, right after we podcasted, Stanford (laughs) issued an apology. Now, granted, it was buried on page 98 of the newspaper, but said apology was issued. Anyway, that's not what this is about, that we just diverged there for a minute. This is about Tanner McKee, their returned missionary quarterback. And um, he has decided to forego his senior year, and he is going to uh, enter the 2023 NFL draft. And right now he is slated to be a fourth um, as a fourth rated quarterback prospect in the draft. So he's pretty high up there. Mm -hmm. Of course, the article talks about, you know, a lot can happen between now and April when they do the draft numbers, people, everything can change, but um, he's a very interesting um, prospect for the draft. And uh, anyway, so we'll have to follow Tanner Mm. McKee because our last little football player that got drafted, Zach Wilson, I did not pull, well, originally I pulled this article, but then I pulled it back. He's having a rough year. He's not doing great. He's not. Is he the one with the scandal? He is the one with the scandal. He's the one with the scandal. scandal. But the scandal has died down. The scandal's died down, but he's just not doing good. His football playing kind of sucks at the moment. And they replaced him, but then the replacement got hurt. And so they had to put him back. Now they're bringing him back. Yeah. And we're hoping he can do a little better. Yeah. So we still believe in Zach. We're rooting for Zach. Um, You know, we, we, we want him to... We want him to flourish and be a great football player. Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. Enough about football. Ciara's sitting here just shaking her head going, I could actually care one, not one iota about football. I about jokes that wouldn't be appropriate about Zach Wilson. So. Oh. We'll just, we did promise to keep this G-rated today. Okay. All right. Ciara's going to take our next one. Okay. Again, they let me cherry pick. Um, so I chose this story on Robbie and Alyssa Parker on 10 years since Sandy Hook. And I did not realize that these people were Mormon until I think you had talked about it earlier in the year on your podcast. Yes. Maybe yeah. it was that podcast you were telling me to listen to from LDS yes. Living. So oh, right. I will digress here. Digress. Just for a second. LDS Living in June of this year, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast. I'm pretty sure you did. Did an interview with Alyssa Parker. I am telling you right here and now, if you have not listened to that podcast, go and listen to that podcast. It is so good. And the things that Alyssa talks about that they have learned in the 10 years since Sandy Hook, and she really goes through the detail and the emotions that day and what they did. You'll need your Kleenex. It's not going to make you feel sad. You will feel very hopeful, you know, when, when you finish it, because she has such a sense of resilience. So. I digressed. I, I'll go back to you now. I mean, you can tell that from this article. I need you to send me the link to that podcast because okay, I would love I to listen to that. Um, you know, just talking about, you know, the 10 years since the incident and how they've dealt with their grief and how they're dealing with their grief. And they just sound really amazing. Um, you know, she started a nonprofit that went to schools and tried to educate people on school safety he says that he's a newborn intensive care unit. He works in a newborn intensive care unit and he's using his, yeah, he's he's using his experience with childhood grief to help other people. And, you know, that just sounds really amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, then obviously they had a big year because again, this is why I've been very following very closely the Alex Jones thing because mm-hmm. he's crazy. And uh, <laughs> I, that fascinates me. And I've been, I watched that trial unfold this year and it was mm-hmm. wild. And so I was okay, so happy to see give, that they give were Give a like, little background for our listeners who may not know about the Alex Jones case. Sorry, and I why. know not everyone's as... Uh, Everyone may not be as into this as you are. So just give our listeners okay, a, little a little background about Alex Jones. Alex Jones is a right-wing podcaster or video, I don't know, he's got a video podcast, banned from every corner of the internet because he is crazy and lies a lot. And one of the biggest lies that he got in a lot of trouble for this year was saying that Sandy Hook was a false flag or was a false flag shooting that uh, was fake. 
the kids weren't shot, that the whole thing was a hoax Conspiracy to try and steal. Theory. Yeah, mm-hmm. try and steal people's guns, um, which obviously it wasn't. And um, him saying this uh, riled up his fans, and they went after the families of the Sandy Hook children and made their lives miserable, including the Parkers. Including the Parkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was sued for, you know, lying. Um, and multiple times by multiple people. And um, he is now facing almost a billion dollars worth of damages mm-hmm. and legal fees. Um, and if you are interested in some entertaining uh, trial footage, oh, yeah. watching him be on the stand. Because he defended himself. He, right? He no, attempted well, he to had, defend himself. He had lawyers, lawyers but quit. they were very bad at their <laughs> jobs. And, they released a bunch of stuff. Oh, that's discovery right. In the discovery that's phase. Right. The lawyers messed up. They released his cell phone. Yeah, they released his entire cell phone. They had the that text he had messages. denied existed in a deposition. Right. Yeah. And, and that's watching, a problem. And watching I forgot about the that. opposing counsel grill him on, uh, you know, lying under oath right. was a, just a sight to behold. And as he laid out the evidence of the cell phone, and also the judge in that case was choice. I don't know if you saw any of the judges. Yes. I, tribes. I saw some clips. So I didn't watch the whole thing, but I saw so some good. clips and it was, she was amazing. Yeah, so she was good. Um, the, it's, I didn't realize that they were like, that these people were like some of the main people, but it, it said here that, um, they were Parker's had been harassed by Jones and his followers for years in an unspeakably cruel way, and they were awarded the largest amount in this lawsuit. So, I saw that. I didn't, I didn't realize. realize that either. I wonder so why must been, they must have just taken a I, lot of the brunt of it. I mean, it got, must have been really bad. Yeah. Robbie Parker said the lawsuit was about reclaiming his daughter's, his family's story, and the truth about Emily's death. Uh, the lies had tarnished Emily's memory. He said, noting that the jury's verdict sends a very clear message to others and returns that part of his life and Emily's story to the Parkers where it belongs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, they just sound like really amazing people who have mm-hmm. taken this unspeakable tragedy and used it for, you know, really doing good in the yeah. world. Um, mm-hmm. Both with, you know, him working as a doctor in, in an intensive care unit and her work with a nonprofit. And it looks like she also wrote a book mm-hmm. um, about, about all of that. And then obviously, um, good for them for helping take down Alex Jones. So. Yeah. Exactly. Gosh, yeah. I can't believe it's been 10 years. That yeah. was one of those things where I remember exactly where I was because I had a kindergartner and yeah. it super freaked me out. Like, I mean, I thought that that would be some kind of tipping point in this yeah. country and it wasn't. But, yeah. Um, it's crazy. At least Alex Jones was bankrupt now. So <laughs> got to chip away. One crazy person. Well, we don't know if he's bankrupt because he's hiding assets. That he was hiding and moving assets. That's and so now true. they've got to go now that they've got these judgments, they've got to go down the rabbit hole of trying to find all the assets that he that he uh squirreled away, yeah. so to speak. Lots of money from the fake mm. brain pills he sells. Yes. So. <laughs> I could go on. I'll stop. Oh, okay. We could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> That's not what this podcast (laughs) is. All right. Okay. What do I have now? Oh, this one is fun because I know this person. This is just another highlight of like a really cool member of the church. And I can attest this is a cool person. So uh, this gal's name is Heather Seeley Roberts. She lives in Oregon. She is a member of the church. She is a wife, mother, and a basketball coach. She has coached for years and years, but right now um, she is coaching boys, and she was the first woman to coach high school boys in Oregon since like the 30s. I think they said like back in the 1930s there was a woman coach, but it's very rare to have a woman coaching a boys basketball team. Boys, a high school boys basketball. High school boys basketball yeah. team. So um, this gal, Heather, I was so excited to see this article because I know her. She used to teach a boot camp class at the gym I went to when I lived in Oregon. The Saturday morning boot camp class, such a good class. She's an amazing teacher. And she ran that class like a basketball coach. I can tell you (laughs) that was like the hardest class of all the classes I took when we lived in Oregon. I was like, she is not messing around. (laughs) So She's going to whoop your booty into shape in her boot camp. So she grew up in the church. She's a basketball player. Um, She has coached for years. Like she early on decided she wanted to be a coach someday. She's coached 
women for years. Um, she coached for a bit at Southern Virginia U- University. When I was in Oregon, she moved there. I lost her as my teacher because she moved. Oh. Uh, she moved to Southern Virginia University to co- coach their girls' team for a while. Then, when she moved back to Oregon, um, there were no women coaching boys' teams in Oregon. But she had these two sons who were developing players and really good. They are and super tall, twins, right? Uh, I do think I are think they twins? twins? Are they twins? I can't remember. Yes, I do think they're twins. Yes. Okay. Um, one is six seven, the other is six eight. Ooh. So they have some serious height. They were really good players. And so when they moved back to Oregon, um, she was like, you know what? I want to coach my boys. Like, why can't yeah. I coach boys? This can be done, right? And she started kind of like toying with the idea and um eventually got the position at a smaller school. She said it was like, well, the article made it sound like this wasn't really happening at big schools. Yeah. But she wiggled her way into a smaller school and was able to be their coach. Um, They moved to Mohab for a time after COVID. Um, I think sports were not happening much in Oregon for a long time. Um, I don't know if that affected their decision, but she moved to Mohab, coached them in Moab, and then moved back to Oregon. And now she is coaching at like a pretty big high school in Oregon. She's moved up from the smaller school. She's coaching at a bigger high school that's just outside of Portland. And didn't both her sons get college yeah, scholarships? Coaching to play her boys. Basketball? They both have college scholarships. They're both planning on going on missions. Um, but I just think what a cool story that she's yeah. like, I want to coach my boys. And she talks about what a great experience it is. And they interviewed the boys in this story and they say, you know, it's a fine line between being coach and mom. But <laughs> when we get in the car, we try to be mom. like, remember, she's our mom again. And when we're on the court, she's our coach. And, and I think, well, that is unique. Yeah. To be able to really unique to, to do that with your kids, I yeah. think is really hard. Um, but I love this. I thought this was hilarious. Her husband is also a basketball player. He used to come to a boot camp too. Hmm. He's also very tall. <laughs> um, well, that would explain the children. <laughs> they, they quoted her in this story and she said, I married him for breeding purposes. He's a big basketball player. That's just what we need. That's just what we do in our family. I just thought that was hilarious. I married him for breeding purposes. That is her sense of humor for sure. So um, anyway, they are just a big basketball family. I love this. Um, one thing she tells her boys on her high school team she has like, she said her Latter-day Saint values kind of come out in her rules that she yeah. has for her basketball players. Uh, one thing, thing she does is no practice games or team functions on Sundays. She tells the boys no swearing. And then she has an acronym called PLAM. And that is party like a Mormon, which means <laughs> the strongest beverage you can drink is root beer. Like, so she's trying to teach them yeah. to be appropriate partiers during their high school years. Good for her. Good for her. her. Yeah. I, anyway. I just thought it was like such a cute write-up. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay, Ciaran, bring us in on our next feel-good story. More feel-good stories. Uh, This one is about a bishop and a stay-at-home dad who won a baking show on Joanna Gaines' network. First of all, I did not know that Chip and Joanna had a network. They have a network, but I have not watched the network. This is on Discovery Plus. Oh, Discovery Plus. Okay. That's hard hard to get. Ironically, it's called Magnolia Network. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. That's like their line yeah, of target too. Exactly. This is how most of how I know them. I know they have shows. I've never seen any of their shows, but I know they have that line at target. Mm. They do have cute stuff at target. They, they have do. great stuff at target. I'm at target all the time. Um, so the, his name is Bishop Kevin Asher. He entered this big, his actually his wife entered the baking contest for him. She said she had, he had to enter because he's a great baker. I, well, I guess he's a chef and, but she was like, "Be you make good cakes. So he entered using a tra- he entered using a recipe for a traditional German cake that I'm not going to pronounce because I can't pronounce that. Um, and uh, then they liked it so much that they asked him for more recipes. And eventually he went to their Christmas holiday edition of their baking competition and won the whole thing. He won $25,000. He is nice. a stay-at-home dad to their two-year-old son, and his wife Cassidy works from home. And um, yeah, he got to he got to meet the the Gaines while he was down in Texas. That's probably better than the twenty-five thousand so dollars. Cool. Oh, and also they are going to his recipe will be featured with the Silos Silos Baking Company. 
So. Is that their bakery yeah, that they have there? Oh, yeah. So they have a bit. You you go to their place in Waco, and it's they've like got like Disneyland a, for it's moms. Like, it's like Disney. Yeah, it's like Disneyland <laughs> for moms. Yeah. Oh, well, they, they have, have a whole that image. compound. They have they have a compound. They have bakeries. They have home decor stores. They have like restaurants. It's nice to hear about a compound that's good in Waco. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is a good kind of a compound. <laughs> yeah. This is the kind of compound you want to have in Waco. And um, you will and see tons of middle-aged women there. It's like a serious tourist destination. Yeah. Like okay, people fly there. For yeah. In fact, our cousin did. Our cousin Alicia specifically. And I've known. Went to Waco. I've known to multiple Waco. other friends and women huh. my age that go just for Magnolia. Like All they're right. going yeah. to the motherland. That's a thing, I guess. Yeah. This is his winning cookie that he won with. And this sounds delicious. Ooh, what is it? Crumble should make this. <laughs> Don't say it out loud. They might steal it. <laughs> and then he'll have to sue Crumble. Right. And we'll have another lawsuit another to talk about. All right. <laughs> Holiday Sandies. This cookie is a type of shortbread dusted with orange or with orange zest, cranberries, creamy citrus frosting, and what Bishop Asher calls a holiday dust, a secret combination of seasonings. <gasps> that does sound good. I know, right? He named it after his mother Sandy, who passed away in two thousand nine. He said he felt her there while she while he was baking. Oh, oh, I love that. I really want that recipe. That sounds delicious. I know. It does I don't think delicious. you share it. Well, I mean, allegedly the recipe is going to be featured. Well, I, but the featured meaning like the bakery is going to make They're it. They're going to oh. bake it. I okay. hope he's getting um, well, royalties on that but recipe. But you know what? There are a ton of of, of uh, people on TikTok and Instagram who like break down crumble cookies Ooh. and have like knockoff crumble cookie recipes. Mm. So maybe one of them will we'll knock get a knockoff magnolia recipe. Somebody yeah. undoubtedly. I want to know if he gets royalties. Like every time they sell one of his cookies, I feel like he should get a cut. Well, yeah. Don't yeah. you think? I, I do. Does that is that how that works? I have no idea. In the cooking world, do they have royalties? I don't think they have. I've never heard of that. I bet they just say, "Okay, we're 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 paying you the twenty five thousand. We get your recipe." You know what? I bet that's in the contract that they sign. Oh. I bet they have to sign a contract that says, "If you win, we're paying you twenty five thousand dollars, and we have the rights to use your recipe." I bet well, that's how it works. I hope they didn't include mm-hmm. a non compete. Like I hope he gets to still make his recipe exactly. <laughs> Okay, so our last feel good story. This is oh, I've been looking. I've been looking forward to this one. You know me. I am a pageant girl wannabe, <laughs> and it really doesn't matter what kind of pageant it is. If it's a pageant, I'm a pageant girl wannabe. So we have breaking news out of the uh, national finals rodeo. So for those of you who may not be familiar with rodeo, I love rodeo. We've got two of the top ten rodeos in the country here in the Boise area. Uh, they all have a rodeo queen and each state then gets to have a state title holder and all those state title holder rodeo queens go to the national finals rodeo in Las Vegas and they compete to be Miss Rodeo America. So it's just like Miss America, only rodeo world. Yeah. Rodeo world. They Now, of course, they don't do like swimsuit or talent. What they have to do is they have to... Horse jumping? They do a written test on horsemen. They do a written test and they do a horsemanship interview to test their knowledge of equine science and rodeo history rules and regulations. They have to mount an unfamiliar horse and ride in a pattern for the judges. And they also are given um, a topic and they have 10 minutes to prepare a speech, to give a speech. So, you know, these girls got to have some legit skills. This is legit. I can get behind this. This is better than the swimsuit competition for sure. Exactly. So our new Miss Rodeo America is a member of the church and her name is Kennedy Riggs. And she hails from the great state of Arizona. Nice. Now I do have to comment on the spelling of Kennedy's name. Kennedy has a very Mormon spelling to her name. I would have thought she was from Utah. It is K-E-N-N-A-D-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-
is Miss Rodeo America. And she goes to Miss Rodeo America. Now she does have it in her blood because her great grandmother was a rodeo queen in the fifties. And many of the women in her family have done this before. So this wasn't completely unfamiliar, but she used a lot of lessons from her mission to be able to um, just kind of keep herself calm and grounded during the competition. She got up every morning and she read and she prayed her script, read her scriptures and prayed like missionaries do. Um, she also, because she was used to speaking, um, when she was given her topic in her 10 minutes, she just made bullet points and she just said a prayer and said, Heavenly Father, help fill my mouth with words. And she said one of the things that came to her that she discussed was a quote by President Nelson where he says, the joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives um, and everything to do with the focus of our lives. So she talked about that. Um, she talked about all of the missionary opportunities that she had as Miss Rodeo America, uh, or not as Miss Rodeo America, but while she was down there, because a lot of girls would ask her questions about, why don't you drink? Why do you dress the way you do? Why are you leaving and go to ch going to church? Because mm -hmm. this competition is eight days long. Wow. I mean, it is, it is not just, you know, show up for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And so she was able to share that message. Um, she is going to be a busy girl for the next year because last year, Miss Rodeo America was on the road 300 out of 365 days. Wow. So she what? will be traveling all around America. Who knew, right? She's right. going to be attending rodeo events uh, and she will um, be away from home for a long period of time, which, you know, she's used to that as a missionary. So yeah, congratulations to Kennedy. Very cool. All right. That, that does it for stories. Before we move on to my favorite things, we're going to go to Mormons behaving badly. And I'm just going to give a quick little kind of update because... On our lifetime member. Our lifetime member. You may have remember, recall we have given Ammon Bundy a Lifetime Achievement Award uh, for Mormons behaving badly <laughs> because, well, he just can't help himself. And I believe we gave that to him earlier this year, if I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. And Ammon's had quite a year. He's gotten arrested for a couple more trespassing charges. He made a ninny of himself in front of our uh, <laughs> hospital when he thought a baby was being kidnapped because the baby was being taken into protective custody because the parents weren't caring for the baby. And uh, he ran for governor and he lost his, his gubernatorial race. Anyway, this hospital, he gets all of his supporters. First of all, he gets arrested for trespassing at the hospital. Uh, because he's being asked to leave as they're taking custody of the baby. And then the next day, he rallies all of his supporters to go down to the hospital and protest at the hospital. And these supporters will literally do anything Ammon asks them to do. So the hospital was on lockdown. They had to bring in the state police. They had to bring in the county. Anyway, this happened earlier this, this summer. And so as a result, um, the hospital sued him and they sued him for defamation because he and his followers were saying all sorts of untrue things about this particular hospital. And so they sued him. Uh, that is working its way through the court system. He has chosen not to participate in the process because he said, I have other things to focus on, which means he's going to get a default judgment against him. So what is he doing to protect himself from his default judgment? What? He's currently selling his major real estate holdings and dissolving his corporate entities. In other words, he's pulling an Alex Jones. We got ourselves an Alex oh, Jones. We have our own Alex. Like he's hiding the money? He's hiding the money. Hiding where's he going to put it? I don't know where he's going to put it. Can, can't they keep an eye on this? Well, in fact, they went to court for that very purpose to ask the judge because he's been very vocal. He even has a video on his website saying, yeah, I'm not participating in this kangaroo court that's trying to sue so me if for you just don't don't go to court. They just do it without you. They do it without you. Yeah. It's called it's a default a judgment. Huh? I mean, lawyers love it when somebody oh, doesn't want to participate. Right? Makes their lives a lot easier. So right exactly. now they're like, can we freeze his assets? Well, yeah. Thing. And the other thing that they're mm -hmm. asking for is they're asking for a protective order from the judge. They're saying, judge, will you please tell Ammon, and he's got a co-defendant in this lawsuit, will you please tell him to not rile up his supporters against us, our attorneys, our witnesses, because he has a history of riling up his supporters when yeah. he feels he's been done wrong. They'll show up on their doorstep. Exactly. Alex so Jones. He, he wants the, the lawyers for the hospital are asking the judge to issue essentially a protective order to tell Ammon, you rile your, your supporters up, you're going to be seeing the man sitting on the bench in the black robe mm -hmm. for possible contempt charges. Not that that's anything new to Ammon. So 
my only hope is if he's selling his real estate, can he sell all of his real estate in the state of Idaho? And leave well, the state of Idaho, <laughs> and maybe move to ne- back to Nevada. I don't think he's. I think he's he he's divesting his interest of it, not necessarily moving. Oh, this would be my guess. Bummer. I'm so, so delighted that I got to be here for an Ammon Bundy story. Well, you know, <laughs> off pod, I'll have to tell you about the man I met who's writing a PhD dissertation on Ammon Bundy and his oh. elk. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. titillating. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. We, we do some favorite things. Let's do some favorite things to to wrap okay. this to to bring this home and wrap it up. Well, you know, we always just like to share our favorite things at the end, just for the fun of it. So mine is holiday related this month. It is the show Spirited, the movie Spirited. Have you guys heard of this? No. No. <gasps> oh my goodness! It was in theaters, but it's also on like Apple TV, whatever. Okay. Apple Plus, whatever. It is a modern day take on a Christmas Carol. Oh. And it's a musical Ooh. starring Ryan Reynolds what? and Will Ferrell. How have I not heard about this? How have I not heard about this? It is so fun. Okay, if you put Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell in a room, it's going to be be good. good Yeah, and there's music and dancing and lots. Where did you say this was at? It's on Apple TV. No, I don't have Apple TV. We have it. We should watch it on Sunday. We could do that (laughs) anyway. uh, And also, it's a musical and just a modern take on a Christmas Carol with a new twist. And it is so cute and clever. Lots of funny jokes, like inside jokes that your kids don't get, but you get really yeah. cute. I love a there, Christmas Carol. There are, it is PG-13. There are like some swears. So maybe, I don't know, not for little kids. Although I think our little kids were in the room while we watched it. And most of it was like over their head. So hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't too bad, but okay. it was so cute. I will have to check into that. Yeah. So Sierra, are you going to share a favorite thing or are you going to pass? Because we're trying to put you on the spot. It's a little on the spot. I didn't have time to think, but uh, you know what? Go see the new Avatar movie. I saw that last weekend. Very good. Avatar 2, Way of the Water. Go see it. IMAX 3D. Recommend. Okay. 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 Go check that out. So I've got two favorite things, both holiday related as well. Here's one of the things that I like about the holidays is I do gift exchanges with my friends and we always like exchange kind of our favorite things. And so I get some of their favorite things. Mm. And so I got two really awesome gifts this year. Mm. The first one that I got and I brought it for show and tell tonight is it is this little book. Although unfortunately it's backwards on the video if you're watching this on YouTube. It is called Advent of Disciples, a 12 day Advent study. Now, when my friend gave this to me, I was like, I mean, of course, I was very kind when she gave it to me, but I'm like, (laughs) it's a book. I don't do books. She doesn't read. I don't don't read. If you don't know this about Tiffany, she reads piles and piles and piles of papers for her job. So she does not read outside of work. I do not read outside of work. I watch (laughs) Ratchet TV. So I'm like, a book. Okay. So I get the book home and I open the book. You know, I open it. And um, when I get it home. I open it and I'm like, oh, this is an easy book. This is a book I have to think about. This book has pictures and big print. I am all for pictures and big print. It's actually a really, really, really cool book. Now, my friend Julie, who gave this to me, because both of my gifts I'm talking about are from two friends, two different friends named Julie, because some people like collect stamps or dolls. I tend to collect friends named Julie. I have no less than five really good friends named Julie. It's, you know, it's very true. Mm-hmm. So this is from my friend Julie, and it is really cool. I didn't get it in time to do the 12 days of Christmas. And even if I had, I wouldn't have had time to do it in December. So I'm thinking about making this my January study. So it has 12 little chapters in it. And they are like, it is like an easy read. Like the first chapter is on Mary and Joseph. The second chapter is on Andrew. Third chapter, Simon Peter. Fourth chapter, James and John. Fifth chapter, Mary and Martha. And it just goes on. And so each chapter has just a little summary of the person. And then you get into the deeper dive and it gives you some scriptures to read and it gives you some things to reflect and some questions and a little thing to write notes. Okay, that's cool. And I just thought it was really, really, really cool. So Mm -hmm. it was written by um, Tess Frame and Lauren Lemons. And I know actually Lauren Lemons, I think, is a podcast listener. I think she likes the Twin Sisters. Really? So, yes. So um, in our... um, 
if you go to our Instagram site, I will send you the we'll, link. We'll put it up on the because Instagram. they are yeah. self publishing this. Okay, but I just I just thought it was it was such a cool book, and this is coming from a mm-hmm. non booky person, so I really <laughs> like this. Anyway, so then my second favorite thing that I received was um, from another Julie. She gave me merino wool socks. I have never worn wool socks before. And you can get these socks at Costco. They come Mm -hmm. in a pack of four of them for $15. And I usually just buy like cheap cotton socks. So last Sunday, I put the first pair of merino. She gave me two pairs. I put the first pair on and I got them on my feet after church. I'm like, what are these glorious goodness things on my feet? Really? But they were warm. They were comfy. They were cushiony. I was like, I'm going to need some more of these in my life. So I might've gone to Costco this week and bought two packs of them. Oh, I've never had wool socks either. Oh, it'll change your life. Can you wear them with shoes or are they too thick? Oh no, you can wear them with shoes. Okay. Easy. So in fact, I wore a pair with some dress shoes that I wore to work this week. So when I was at work, my feet were staying nice and toasty warm and comfy. Good They're know. not a super thick sock. So okay. anyway, those are my two favorite nice. things. Okay. All oh. right. Well, CRN, it has been oh. such a pleasure having the third sister here tonight. I wish, I wish she could be here every month. You know what? You guys need to figure out how to record me zooming on site. Yes. Oh, that's really technical for us. <laughs> Maybe that'll be on our goals of 2023. Yeah. Goals. Okay. 2023 goals. Find a way to zoom me in. I will, I will come to your podcast all the time. The technology. <laughs> yes. There you go. We love having you. All right. Well, Twim Nation, thank you so much for joining us. We, we appreciate you. We appreciate your listening and your downloads and your comments and your feedback. If you have any questions or comments, you can send those to contact at thisweekinmormons.com. You can find This Week in Mormons at Facebook, at Twitter, and on the Instagram. And if you are looking to uh, throw some even more love our way, think about becoming a Patreon supporter. Um, I know that recently um, Kurt has been releasing episodes early to people who are Patreon supporters. Mm. So if you want a release that is two or three days earlier than the general public gets these episodes, considering throwing three bucks a month towards keeping our lights on. So we hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.